0: Hey guys, this is Sean from nursedose.org, and today I have a pretty special episode. Uh, in this one, I interview two of my um, orientees that I've had in the past, and they're about two years out from nursing school now, and um, we go over their orientation, kind of what they're doing now, um, and then at the end, we have like little special surprise guest who's going to be talking a little bit about the topic that we're going to be um, introducing here in future episodes Uh, so let's get into it
1: hey guys it's sean again coming back at you with another uh, episode of nurse dose glad you could tune in no, just kidding. My my name's Nick. I'm actually one of Sean's coworkers. Um, but we thought it'd be, uh, myself, Rick, and Sean here thought it'd be a good idea to do another kind of episode um, based a little bit around um, his preceptees that are now, you know, about two years into nursing. Uh, Rick and I both were actually precepted by Sean when we were, or at least for short amounts of time when we were uh, new nurses, so I thought it'd be kind of an interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Nick. Uh, this is the actual Sean. And um, so, yeah, I'm here with Nick and Rick. Very easy to remember. And uh, like he said, we're going to be talking about their experiences with me precepting them and um, then their journey afterwards and where they're at now and what they're aspiring to do. Um, so, Rick, how about you introduce yourself?
1: What did I say? <laughs> uh,
0: just say... Um, how long you've been a nurse, uh, what you're doing now,
1: how old you are, how old you, are. you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Just just
2: anything. anything you want. Hi. Um, so this is Rick. Well, some of my friends call me Rick, but um, I'm about pushing two years now as an ICU nurse. Um, prior to that, I was a critical care tech and, uh, for about six years, and I precepted under Sean or precepted under Sean uh, for about most of my.
0: Like three months? Three, three months? Or no, no, no. Three months was your whole thing, like maybe like one and a half months. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the whole orientation is like three months. And then um, you start off with one preceptor. And then after that, you go on to another one um, just to make sure you get. I guess it's more to kind of round you out so you don't just have one person's skill set. Um, so yeah, and Nick, you, how far out are you as a nurse? How long have you been a nurse now?
1: Uh, let's see, just under two years, over a year and a half, uh, but just under two. And <clears throat> let's see, I, um, graduated from, yeah, school here, uh, in the Texas area, um, and immediately went into, uh, critical care. I actually, um, had, kind of needled my my clinical liaison to, um, you know, put me at uh, this specific hospital. Um, You know, I told her that I was really interested in critical care and they have uh, the ICUs broken up um, in four different ICUs based on specialty. It can be trauma, neuro, medicine, um, cardiac. Um, And so I wasn't, you know, too dead set on which one I for sure wanted to, uh, go into. I just knew that I wanted to do, um, you know, ICU work and, uh, would prefer it, you know, kind of a a teaching facility, a big facility to really get that good experience, uh, coming straight out of school, which, you know, kind of made me nervous because I, I did think about working, uh, you know, step down or floor work first. Um, but, uh, actually, uh, another coworker was, uh, um, my preceptor while I was in the nurse externship program, the internship type, uh, um, period. I think it was about, yeah, a month and a half or two months back when we were still in nursing school. And, and he kind of convinced me, um, to just go straight into the ICU and, um, that your time there, uh, would really help mold you and be more beneficial than, um, uh, you know, working floor work first. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and same as uh, Rick, I did about six weeks uh, with Sean, and they try to, um, especially if you are uh, a new grad or new to ICU, rotate you between two or three uh, preceptors so that you can kind of see and uh, take different aspects of each of them um, into your own. You develop your own kind of way uh, of nursing once you're on your own. So.
0: Right, you, you kind of take the good aspects of all of them and kind of make your own style for the most part.
1: Right, you can pick kind of what you like about um, each different type of nurse that you've been with.
0: Right. Um, and Nick, weren't you a tech as well before you became a nurse?
1: Yes, I I was a tech for a short period of time, I think six or eight months um, at that same hospital as kind of a a foot in the door sort of thing, uh, more than anything. And I think that did help me um, a little bit with time management and stuff like that, especially I would float between the units. But if if you are a tech on the specific ICU that you're going to go into, that would definitely help um, with just knowing where things are at, knowing your coworkers, um kind of the layout of everything and again time management yeah i
0: know rick was a tech on the unit that we actually worked on together and <clears throat> the the unit that he actually um, started working on as a nurse uh, do you think being a tech on that unit helped you clinically or was it more of like time management stuff
2: i feel like it was a mixture of both a combination of both that you one like to add on to a nick said you know where the supplies are at Two, you also know how things are done on the unit per se, so that helps you better time management in your task. Um, also, you're, all, you're familiar with the other nursing staff and the management, and you have a lot going for you if you work on the same unit um, before you get your license.
0: Right, so would y'all suggest um, trying to get a job as a tech on the unit that you're trying to get a job
2: Well, definitely. Well, it depends what your goals are. Um, I know Nick and I, I'm going to speak for him, we have common goals, um, aspiring to become CRNAs. And our unit specifically, it's very unique with three different services. Um, As you've mentioned in your previous podcast, you know, cardiothoracic surgery, transplant, and cardiology. So all that's very, uh, it stands out on your application. So the way I saw it was I wanted to work on my unit get in, get my experience, be good at it,
0: and uh, get out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably what a lot of people's plans are. And so I think it's a good strategy to kind of get your foot in the door because it is kind of hard to uh, to get some of these spots as new grads uh, coming into a ICU like that that has three different services, such as cardiothoracic, transplant, and cardiology. Um, Nick, would you like to say something?
1: Yeah, I just wanna to touch on that as well. I, I totally agree. I think it's either um, you know, to work there as a tech or, you know, in, in some other position, unit clerk, uh, really anything, or to get to really make it known to whoever's placing you in your nurse externship, um, you know, that you wanna be in the ICU, even a specific hospital um, that you may have rotated through because Getting your face, you know, seen and being able to talk to the managers, all that sort of thing is 100% what's going to get you hired over any sort of undergrad GPA, um, anything like that. Even the managers have told me that a lot of times, especially as a new grad, your, your application is kind of lost um, once you submit it unless you know someone or have been kind of in the system to have them pull it, take a look, and, you know, they kind of know who you are. One thing i like to add as well, just because your
2: position is non-licensed doesn't mean you can't learn outside of your scope. Now, that's not saying to act on it, but if you can learn, you know, start thinking about hemodynamics, ask questions, there's plenty of nurses in the ICU that'll teach you. And that way, when you're a nurse, you're actually asking the correct questions. And I feel like that helped me um, have a step up from other new grads where I was already exposed. I knew what I was looking for because I was goal driven, career driven per se.
0: Right. Yeah. And then I kind of did stuff like that too when I was a tech. And uh, specifically there was this one time where uh, we were doing vital signs and I was doing the uh, O2 set on this patient and the pulse was going all over the place. Like it'd be at 80 and then 120 and then, you know, back down to a hundred. And, she said she wasn't feeling good. She was diaphoretic. And I was like, uh, I think this patient's like an AFib or something. And they're like, what are you talking about? And we ended up transferring her to the ICU later that night. So, um, yeah.
2: And also like, don't be discouraged if you have nurses that aren't willing to teach you because they have a lot of things on their mind. I still remember that one nurse told me, don't worry about your job. And I mean, Two three years now, I've, that's still stuck in my mind. But don't let that be discouraging,
0: right? All right, so um, let's uh, get into the uh, the orientation aspect. Ingela's um, experience with that. So, um, give me something that you think um, I did good in uh, in your orientation, or something that stuck with you.
2: Well, I like to add that, Sean. Do they know you as Sean?
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they know my name, Sean. <laughs> well, I, what, I like to, what I like to add to Mr. Nurse, Nurse Dose is he's very knowledgeable and a good source of information, um, and he promoted independence while working with him, and he taught me how to become you know, self-efficient, but he was always still there in case things got wrong. My my greatest memory as a new new grad an orientation was I had a vasoactive medication called LeboFit. And at the time, I didn't know how to prioritize my drips or making sure they're dry or empty or full, I guess. But I wouldn't, we were both going to go um, get some water. And he's like, you know what, you go first and I'll, and I'll stay here. And I'm so grateful for that moment. Because when I came back, he was sweating, and I was like, "What happened?" And he told me the drip went dry. So in that time span that I left, the patient potentially could have coded, but he was there overseeing the situation, as a good preceptor would. And
0: right, yeah, that uh, if I remember correctly, that patient was on a balloon pump and. Uh, that was the quickest I've ever changed how to leave a fed bag <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that was that was a great experience. Uh, it it only takes one experience like that for you to really solidify something in your mind. And and now I bet you always check your bags, right? Yes, definitely. That's the first thing I do, bedside report, is check my
2: bags, make sure my concentration is correct, and the medication, do I have enough? If not, where do I need to get more or how?
0: Right. Yeah, and um, don't feel bad if you are checking your medications like during report. Um, You really need to be able to see what you have for your shift because um, that's what I used to do. I would check it during my report, you know, while I'm listening. And um, because I just want to make sure that everything's good to go, because after you get report, you're probably going to get report on your other patient as well. And if um, things are running dry, they can uh, go south real quick. Uh, Nick, did you, uh, think of anything?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, just in general, <clears throat> Sean's kind of, uh, um, drive and, and kind of instilling that into me when I was new, uh, the, I don't know how to put it, just kind of knowing or wanting to understand the why behind everything you do as a nurse. A, a lot of times, um. You know, you even see it in the ICU, which you see it less than you do, say, uh, on the floor. But uh, a lot of nurses really functioning on this task oriented behavior, um, you know, are good at taking orders, but may not be the best uh, clinicians or um, kind of thinking uh, deeper into why they do things um, and how things work why the doctors are making the decisions they make. And a lot of times you got to really uh, be a step ahead of them. Um, you know, you're going to call them, let them know, hey, there's something that's going on that um, is out of the ordinary or, uh, you know, I feel like you need to come take a look at. But you should always think, you know, in your head what what you think the issue is, what you think they're going to do to act on it. You know, and if it kind of straight, you know, kind of like answering a um a problem or a question uh you know you've picked your answer and then you see the, the the correct answer was it right or were you wrong you can kind of learn something off of them you know a lot of times they do have obviously a lot more education but at the same time depending on where you work private facility or not day shift night shift you'll run into um you know a lot of times where you have to really uh, you hear it in school and stuff like that but actually advocate for your patient and what um you really feel like needs to be done because a lot of times, uh, some of these doctors might be just out of med school, um, this or that, and you're in a very specialized field that you've been working in for a couple of years, you know, how the surgeons or the upper level attendings like things done. Um, so yeah, I think kind of to round back to the question, um, you know, he would always, we'd, we'd be doing um, tasks, he'd show me the charting, um, you know, all the things that a nurse has to do, but, you know, I kind of fixated on, yeah, the tasks, on seeing something that had to be done, or given, or changed, and felt like I had to do that before any of the thinking and stuff like that, and he would say, you know, this can really wait, I know it says it's due now, it's a protonics, it's not critical, um, you have, uh, you know, this or that going on with your patient right now that you need to address. Um, so that, that would be something I really, um, think that I took away. And I actually remember, yeah, one time we had a patient that was pretty complex. they were actually singled because of that. And I think I was digging into, you know, my charting and stuff and he would just notice these little things. I can't really remember what it was, but little things with the vital signs that were actively changing. And he, you know, kind of nudge me and be like, hey, Nick, how do you feel about that? Or what do you want to do about this? And and I would look up coming out of my own little world. I'm like, oh, you, you're right. How do you even notice stuff like that? And he's like, well, it's just with time and and experience, you kind of know what to look for, what's important right here and right now and what can kind of wait. But you'll get there, you know, and. Um, that's the thing is to kind of be patient. Uh, you're always going to have that, you know, trouble breaking from, um, you know, wanting to do just these tasks. But, um, you know, something I would recommend to new nurses is, uh, especially if you're going to work in the ICU is to do your due diligence outside of work. Um, you know, you can't just put in your 36 hours, three days a week, um, at work and then. Um, you know, expect to really be knowledgeable and and pick up on things quickly. I think that first six, eight months to a year is when you really learn the most and kind of driving that home when you're at home, able to open up a book, crack it open, study, you know, for the CCR and stuff like that, I'd say from from day one, because all of that stuff really drives home um, everything you see at work and you don't quite know why it's happening. Um, or the true medical reason behind it. Um, But then really kind of diving into some of that helps you a lot.
0: Yeah, that's that's, uh, basically what I did uh, as a new grad is I started studying for the CCRN like pretty much right away. And it really helps solidify. And I kind of talk about it in my CCRN episode. Um, But yeah, that was great. Um, So do you all have any advice for new preceptors or preceptors out there, like in your experience as a orientee, what would you like to see preceptors do? And I know some of y'all are, both of y'all have actually oriented people um, your, on your own, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: And uh, what what do you think new preceptors can do for their orientees?
2: Well, from my experience, it's, it's um, not an easy task to precept someone because their mindset might be different from yours, or their level of experience, or you know, patience is what be my best recommendation. Trying to figure out what's their learning style, what's their goals, what's their objectives of being there, and then you can go from there. Because you can teach everyone, you can teach anyone physiology and a tie in, tie how it ties into the unit. But if they're not willing to learn it, then maybe you can do a different approach and like go a nursing tasks. Or, um, but definitely figure out what their goal is on the unit and be patient.
0: Now, um, I know that some nurses, some brand new nurses, can come out and kind of have that type A personality and um, almost see kind of, seem kind of cocky. Um, what would you say is a good way of? kind of combating that, because that can be kind of dangerous, right, in the the ICU when someone thinks they know everything. Um, In my experience, the new orientee that asks the most questions usually is the one who comes out being the best. Um, Do y'all have any advice for that?
2: So definitely being cocky can be dangerous. Um, I know from experience, not on the dangerous part, but I came in, because I was already established and that's the beautiful thing about working with preceptors that are more experienced than you. They can reshape how you think and they can change the way you perceive a situation. Um, that's what mentoring is. That's why preceptors is a thing. Uh, if you can pick up on someone being cocky, then you know what, pull them aside, have a one-to-one and you know, move on from there. Uh, but Being cocky is also not a bad thing, in my opinion, and uh,
0: I guess more being confident, right?
2: Yeah, I would say confident, confident versus cocky. There's two different things. Um, Being confident in your knowledge of, you know, physiology and pharmacology, but you also lack the clinical maturity. And I think that's what I realized as a new grad where, yes, I was textbook smart, but I did lack the clinical maturity. And that's what you gain over time, and especially you're guided when you have preceptors like I've stated um that are more clinically
0: mature than you, and probably smarter as well, you know right um you know something that I just kind of thought of um I think everybody remembers their first codes uh do you <laughs> do you do you all remember your first codes
1: yeah, oh. of course, yeah,
0: like as a nurse.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How how was it?
2: Well, I've never had a patient code on me because I keep them alive. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, I think
1: just my own patients, I think I've had like four or five, honestly. Oh, yeah. the, you can follow their bike Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> well, great. So I, I think my first one, it was, I hadn't been off orientation very long at all. It was probably two months or even less than um and it was in you know, a post-op open heart patient he was I think day one or two and I can't remember if he was a valve or a cabbage I really don't remember I, I remember he had a swan and everything like that and had been extubated already um but yeah I, I remember it, it just felt like you know, I learned so much on orientation, but then it was all culminating to this point. And and when you have that that pressure on you, and uh, you know, you feel like everything's going so fast, and you can't, you know, act quick enough. Um, you know, I think, and that's a good thing about kind of socializing too with your coworkers. It's it's <clears throat> you want to learn everything you can learn, but you also want to kind of get to know all of your coworkers' names, and you know become friends with them because they're the ones that help you out, uh, and that you rely on when you do need help. Um, you know, I remember, uh, this, uh, his pacemaker, his epicardial wires, they weren't capturing and, um, you know, on top of all the drips, everything else, you know, I hadn't run into this issue. And so it was, demand pacing him at like 90 or something. That's what the surgeon wanted. Um, and his blood pressure was tolerating, you know, when, when it was working, it was fine. And then it would stop capturing. We were already, you know, maxed out on all of the, the milliamps were, you know, turned up all the way. Um, but it was kind of interesting. They were just a wires. And one of my, the charge nurse at the time, uh, who was my buddy, um, you know, comes in and was familiar with, uh, you know, that, the v wire at least on this specific temporary pacemaker um plugging the a wires into the v slot you can get a little bit more you know five milliamps more than you can on just the atrial output um as kind of a a temporary uh a life hack yeah exactly yeah yeah you're kind of going around the system um you know that's not a, a for sure fix but um it, it helped you know for that moment because every time his his uh heart rate would come down to his intrinsic was like in the 60s his blood pressure would just you know tank on me and all this stuff and it kind of led up into him eventually uh coding but yeah i guess that's what um you you're never going to know everything especially the first time it happens to you um but you learn from it and you know everyone's there to help you out and
0: uh
1: yeah i like to add, on top of that, I
2: fortunately have not had any of assigned patients to me code. Are you you serious? I I firmly believe that sometimes it's out of your hands, it's out of your control. It's going to happen if it's going to happen. But one thing to keep in consideration is there's a lot of interventions a nurse can do to be vigilant and stay vigilant on the situation, electrolytes, um, sedation, you know, what are they requiring? If you're up titrating on your pressors, you know something's wrong. If drainage output is going on, you can kind of see if the patient's going south. Um, and if you're, if you can catch those changes, subtle changes in your patient, they're not, they're not, they might not be very large, but they're slow. They're small. You can potentially stabilize the patient or, you know, raise a red flag and say, hey, something's wrong here. And then you can escalate from your providers and get interventions, get images. Um, but there's a lot a bedside nurse can do to prevent your patient
1: from coding. All right. Yeah, that, that brings me to something, too. Don't be, you know, if you're a type A person, that's great and all. You know, in, cer- in certain ways, I think I am because I'm a little obsessive and OCD with some stuff, but don't be that nurse that, is prioritizing the protocol or something in a in an emergent time over everything else to be bathing like their a and o patient next door while their truly sick patient is really circling the drain. Um, that that's what I think at least. Uh, I think it it's very beneficial to kind of realize. Yeah, when you have time and you can do those, you know, certain things that. Um, Maybe protocol or uh, that you're supposed to do, yeah, that's great, but you know know when when um, the situation's starting to get to the point where you kind of have to put some other things aside and really prioritize, yeah, definitely
2: to add on to what Nick just said, just because you have to give a bath you know for infection control and your patient is decompensating. You have to prioritize the decompensate. You can pass on the bath or some little things. You can always ask for help. And that's what makes a strong nurse is you figure out what can you delegate to other nurses because there will be people that will help you. They just want the action and then they'll disappear.
0: Right. Yeah. And um, what y'all are talking about is kind of prioritizing as well. So um, everybody needs a bath. uh, But like y'all said, it can it can wait. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, app, no, not, <laughs> um, no, <maths. laughs> <Not around here. laughs> night shift doesn't do any bad <laughs> <laughs> all right um so i guess uh, we'll go ahead and start closing it off but uh how about y'all tell me what y'all are doing now we'll start with nick
1: so um well, i don't even think i really finished the the beginning portion but um yeah so i you know, came out of school and worked uh, in the ICU with Sean and Rick uh, for about a year and a half um, and then went off to uh, Los Angeles and did a three-month COVID contract, you know, at the height of things there in January. Um, And I just got back a couple of weeks ago and I'm probably going to do just a little bit of uh, local contract work for now and maybe even go back to that hospital I came from because I really enjoy it there. But I'm trying to get kind of everything um prepared to go back to school uh like rick was saying um you know we're we're both trying to get our application ready this cycle um for crna school with um you know the organic chemistry the shadowing hours all the certifications uh, gre everything like that so i think that's really what i've been focused on lately and um you know Take your take your CCRN as soon as possible. Get all the board certifications you can. Well, tell us because you have a
0: lot of different certifications, right? What What certifications do you have?
1: The uh, CEN, which is what the ER nurses take, and for um, nursing,
0: right? And how uh, how many shifts have you worked in the in the ED?
1: A grand total of uh, six hours. <laughs> okay, but with that said, it, the requirements are critical care experience or emergency experience. So that that was kind of one of those that I got just to boost my application, sort of thing. But um, also got the CCRN, uh, which was beneficial studying for that, and then um, the CSC, which is the uh, cardiac surgery subspecial subspecialty certification within. Um, critical care within like the AC, AACN um, and actually Sean and I think one other co-worker that I knew of had it at the time um, and kind of intrigued me into studying for it and getting in. If you work with post-op cardiac surgery patients, I think that's actually the most beneficial um, studying and certification I did. Yeah, that yeah. the
0: studying with, with that certification actually uh really helped my practice cuz it really solidifies everything and um it really really helped bring my practice up to the next level. Um so Rick what are what are you up to now and what are your plans? I'm I'm
2: currently working in the specialized unit that I had mentioned before as a part-time employee uh, mainly because of the fresh post-op patients that I get there. And I'm also working as a contractor at a private facility where I mean there's lucrative contracts right now. Working on my resume and my personal statement, getting ready for the CRNA application. Um like Nick had mentioned, we're both striving for higher level education. Um so yeah, really. And one, one last thing i like to say, you can add this in the earlier, is one, one skill um, my preceptor taught me, Sean, was how to use ultrasound IVs, um, using an ultrasound device to insert IVs. And I've become really good at that skill, and that's one of the best things I've learned as a nurse to have that skill because I can insert any IVs, even you can't see them, and it's helped me out in my other facilities. And that's one of the, you know, you never know who your preceptor is. You just got to pick their brains and see what they can teach you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Sean, let me put the, you know, turn the spotlight onto you. What are you up to these days? What are you doing, you know, since you've left us, you know, <laughs> you're, you're young. Uh, you left and went on to do your own
0: well, well, I, if you would listen to my other podcast, <laughs> you know, oh, no, oh, you, you would know that I can't talk about it. <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about it. It's very, very private.
1: I'll, I'll leave it in. <laughs> but, oh, 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 he's a hit man. <laughs> well, I'd like to add.
2: <laughs> well, since Nick is asking a question, I'd like to ask a question to Sean. Okay. How do you see us now from where we started?
0: I'm actually very proud of both of y'all um I know Rick actually has been uh selected at multiple facilities to do uh ECMO training and uh just hearing Nick talk about his uh his travel nursing and um how he's doing so well over there and taking devices and um, teaching the nurses over there it's uh it's a very humbling experience and uh very uh it's like full circle so it's like you know you teach them and now they start teaching other people and it just that's how nursing kind of evolves um but one last thing we actually have a special guest here and uh just wanted to announce uh if if y'all are og fans of the uh, nurse dose podcast um he was actually on um episode two and it's uh carlo and just wanted to announce that carlo actually uh recently got into uh, CRNA school. Uh, Carlo, do you want to speak on that?
3: What's up, Nurse Tools (laughs) fan? I'm here with Rick and Nick and Sean, just kind of uh, in the background listening to them talk. I just want to say also kind of echo what Sean mentioned. These two have really grown as nurses. I've worked with Rick whenever he was a tech, and I was actually um, the nurse that was um, assigned to uh, Nick whenever he was a student. And seeing them grow has truly been a blessing. I, they're really phenomenal nurses. Um, but yeah, to answer what Sean said, uh, I just got into CRNA school. So me and Sean are working on a podcast to kind of just talk about my journey. and. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, if y'all are interested in that, let me know. Um, you have to follow me on Instagram at nursedoseofficial and Let me know if that's something that y'all want to hear or send me a message on my website, uh, nurstos.org, and we will get that going. We can talk about uh, the journey he took to uh, start his application, what the application involved. And um, I know he had to take the GRE, and it sounds like that was uh, not fun. Um, That's actually what Nick is uh, studying for right now as well. So, uh, yeah.
1: A little kind of look into the future of that podcast I just want to ask Carlo if you could pinpoint one aspect um, you know to getting into CRNA school whether it be undergrad grades uh, jury score um, uh, experience what have you what would you say uh, is kind of the one most beneficial uh, piece
3: I think a lot of it has to do with Um, how you present yourself. So with that, that comes with confidence in your clinical skills. So during the interview, everyone pretty much has a blank slate. Everyone is pretty much starting at zero. So that's the time for you to shine as a nurse, Um, taking your CCRN, doing as much continuing education as you can. So that way, whenever they ask you these sort of questions, you're able to, uh, one, answer it like you know what you're talking about and, and two, um, well, actually, that, that's it. Just, just know what you're talking about. <laughs> just
0: just confidence. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, well, we'll leave them with that. We'll have the uh, full episode here um, later. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much it unless you all want to add anything. Um, but, yeah, thanks for being here, guys. And um, that's all. Um, if you all could, uh, like I said, go on Instagram, follow me at Official. Um, or like me on, uh, or follow me, I'm sorry, on Spotify and, uh, iTunes. That'd be great. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that actually really helps.
1: Shameless plug alert. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but that's how the, the podcast grows. Cause I, I mean, I don't have a huge following as it is, but that's how it reaches more people. Um, so yeah, there will be uh, more stuff in the future and there's actually some videos in the making Um, first one is going to be the balloon pump because that requires a lot of visual aids. Um, so yeah, if y'all have any questions or any recommendations for podcast episodes, uh, you can contact me on Instagram, but other than that, I hope y'all are doing well and I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.